0: Trouble. We got trouble. Oh, much trouble. trouble? Well now, don't you bow Just knuckle down and knock on wood. Who's unhappy?
1: unhappy. Hello are and happy. welcome to the Classroom Critics Podcast, a film studies show by teachers. I'm Bill Ivers, English Department, Nashville High School North, and adjunct instructor at Southern New Hampshire University. I'm joined again by Dr. Andrew Martino. English professor at Southern New Hampshire University and director of the Honors Program. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. So today we're gonna to discuss one of uh, film history's most cherished oh films, yeah. beloved film, Casablanca, 1942. A Warner's, Warner Brothers picture uh, directed by Michael Curtiz, starring Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Henreid, Claude Rains, Peter Lorre, Sydney Greenstreet,
2: will suspects, right <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> what a cast what a what a film and um, it's uh I mean what can you say about it? it's it's the quintessential Golden Age Dream Factory yeah. motion picture I mean it's been um, it's been in the top three of the AFI film list if we're gonna size it up with that since uh, it's you know its first list in 1998 yeah. and um, I guess if you' gonna if you were gonna put a uh, perfect specimen of the golden age movie I mean
2: why that's not, it why that's, not this that's one? a gold
1: standard yeah so uh, I mean wh- what about it I mean, wh- wh- why this one I guess is the question I mean um, when it comes down to what Warner Brothers put out 50 or so films every year year in a year and this and, you, know, you, you see something or you hear some of the um, you know the people involved in this, this movie you know usually later talking about it they, they thought it was just one of the 50 films yeah and uh, and it seemed to have taken many people by surprise when this became Casablanca. So you know, just I'd like to open up with just some discussion as to, you know, you know, what about it? You know, why this movie? It's a good question. I this is the one movie every time
2: my kids are sick. I make them watch. <laughs> so we have this understanding that if they're going to stay home from school um, and miss school, they have to watch Fantastic. Casablanca. That's awesome. So you know, Great we punishment. always watch it, and it, it, it is, <laughs> yeah, not for them. They don't like it because uh, you know they're young. They don't like black and white films. But you know, it's something that I think as a parent. It's part of my duty to show them uh, you know the, these films that I think especially like Casablanca, which I think is is literature uh, it's right. just as important as any of the is any of the great 20th century American works yeah, that came out at that particular time. Yeah. It has it all it has it has great acting. Uh, I watched it again yeah. last night just to, to refresh my memory and I was really pleasantly surprised by how great the dialogue is oh, I, know. Yeah. I mean it's really
1: really terrific I mean you can make the argument that it's a uh, a writer's movie. Yeah, you know, uh, you know. Last time we talked, uh, we discussed Citizen Kane, yeah. and uh, this is a very, on many levels, very different yeah. kind of film. And uh, yet, once again, it's it's mentioned often in the same breath as C- Citizen Kane, The yeah. Godfather, the, the Biggies, and uh, it's almost like I don't know, the anti-Kane in many yeah. ways. It it ha- it's uh, it's a studio product. It's uh, it was made kind of on that, you know. In, in that so-called dream factory, it has stars, well-seasoned stars, unlike Kane. It's, it's not necessarily a director's film. I mean, yeah. Michael Curtiz. I mean, not many people know right, what right. else he did. Um, it's not an auteurs picture yet. For yet, we love it. It's just there's something about it that. Um, it, I actually I got a quote here that I thought you might be into uh, Umberto Eco. Oh, uh, he wrote once wrote about *Citizen Kane* by any strict critical standards Casablanca is a very mediocre film <laughs> it's a comic strip a hodgepodge low on psychological credibility with little continuity in its dramatic effects you know i i think on many levels he he's right yeah but i, I you know I, there's nothing about that that i can really disagree with but at the same time i just i I think this movie's infectious, and I still yeah. love it. It's kind of like with the Frank Capra films. Yeah, right. Uh, most of his films, I mean, I should be rolling my eyes constantly throughout his yeah. his work, but uh, I just can't do it. I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. And um, I think uh, that goes a little harsh with his criticism, but um, I think it's one of the things we should probably bring, bring up. What about it makes this um, transcend... You know other period pieces of this of of, of the time. Yeah, and, and you know for for Echo's criticism,
2: he wrote an awful lot about Casablanca. <laughs> um, you know, he. So it, this was a film that, uh, you know, echo being echo, there's always a, a bit of tongue-in-cheek to, to the things that he says. But he, he wrote at least one substantial essay on this particular film. Did he? Okay. And he talks about the, the homoerotic nature uh, uh, with uh, with the characters sure. that, oh. uh, that are going on. And you can see that in the film. I, I don't think it's a stretch to, to think about that. Not at all. I think that's one of the enduring qualities, at least for me, is it's a buddy picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not the kind of buddy picture that we would think necessarily... Um, you know beyond a surface level but it is it is that quintessentially American film it's all about the American mythos to me Uh, you know Rick he's only out for himself and you know this isolationist Mm -hmm. sort of uh, mentality and but yet in the end he does the right thing and he sacrifices for the for the greater good and I think it you know in 42 People might have been too close to to the war, mm-hmm. uh, and not to, to. Now we sort of view it with nostalgia, we I do. think, oh, a yeah. cinematic and uh, a patriotic nostalgia.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But but it is a quintessentially American film, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, the twenty twenty hindsight makes a little difference, but we got to remember this film was made. It was in the before Pearl Harbor, right? Right. Um, so if you think about it, it was it was prophetic in a yeah. way. And, and you're right. Rick does. He's a great representation yeah. of the American. Uh, a, a mindset and, and it's yeah. almost like this movie in a way sort of um, is is nudging America yeah. toward doing um, what we think in history historically was the right the right thing so yeah this um, the, the dialogue the wit let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about the script I mean um, someone who, who loves to, to write creatively I just can't help but view this film as kind of like a, uh, a screenwriter's 101 yeah. this is how you do it um before you study anything else, dissect this script. Yeah. Um, it's just everything's just so uh, so tight and uh, the dialogue is, is witty. And it, I mean, granted, it's, it's, it's heightened, you know? No, yeah. one, no one talks like that. Um, no one is that um, quick. Yeah. Uh, but it, there's just so many one-liners. There's, uh, it's one of those deals where, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll show this to a class and uh, it's kind of like when you teach Hamlet. Uh, you see the the eyes in the in the audience out there. You say, what, that's what this is from." Yeah. You know that li- You know that's. And I don't know that. I don't know. You could probably say uh, ten to a dozen one-liners, famous one-liners, come yeah. from this. Come from this film. Oh yeah. And uh, uh, you know the characters are just well uh, well drawn out, and uh, they're they're interesting characters. Um, yeah. Every every one of them. The exception of maybe I find uh, you know the villain to be a little less interesting than yeah. what we may. Want from a villain, he's sort of one-dimensional in a way. Yeah. But um, you know what he, he represents—the you know. And my, are, you, are you thinking about
2: Major Strasser? for it's the, the Strasser, yeah? Yeah. So yeah, he's you know you love to hate Nazis. It's it's he's <laughs> and he plays that part perfectly. But you're Different. right; he is very one-dimensional. Yeah, there's no character development to him at all. No. Uh, and I don't know if it's because they. You know, they put him out as a foil for that, and it's just the other characters will play off him. Yeah. Uh, for me, the most interesting character—I mean, it's obviously Rick. You you sort of circle around him for me. But for what I really like is, is Peter Laurie's character. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's only on screen for a few minutes, mm-hmm. but the image that he leaves me with is is you know, um, it's iconic. I know. I mean, that, that, Absolutely. And and his interplay with Bogart is is breathtaking.
1: I know. You know. Uh, it's, it's really, yeah, he's, it's one again, it's again one of those things that's parodied. Yeah. You know, um, especially in the Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah, I know, uh, the Bugs that, Bunny, that's all I can think of. Yeah, I, I know, about. seriously, you know, the eyeballs <laughs> popping out. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, just go down the list. I mean, there's so many just memorable characters, and, and you know it's good writing when you can create a memorable character in such a yeah. little space. And uh, he's, he's one example. But it's, a, it's an ensemble piece in a way. Oh, yeah. And uh, it, it, it obviously, it, it's just kind of like the, the convergence of so many incredible elements of that dream factory coming yeah. together, and obviously casting from that stable of actors, was a big part of it. Just, um, it's like, for you know, say what you want about the the, the cookie cutter aspect yeah. nature of the, the the so-called dream factory, when they got it right, and like in this case, I think they did. Yeah. It was um, it was spot on, and just everyone was cast so perfectly. Um, it just. It just really worked, and those
2: those one-liners that were that were being thrown about were it, it was everyone. It was I forgot what his name is, but the the one waiter, the older gentleman, uh, when you know. Uh, When uh, one of the customers asked, "Is this place honest?" and he said, "Honest as the day is long," (laughs) you know, it's just it's such a memorable line. Fantastic. Uh, So everybody gets a piece. It isn't
1: just held out for the you know couple of stars that are that are there. Absolutely. Everybody gets a great line. You care in again those minor characters. You care about them. Yeah. Later on, that same character. you know, has another has another scene, and mm-hmm. with just a couple of scenes, you have yeah. a certain amount of development, even with the minor yeah. characters. And the, and you know the actors that played the waiters were waiters in yeah. other Warner Brothers films, right? And, yeah. Know, and, um, one thing that I think um, that this film did um, in terms of Bogart's career, it kind of took him out of that you know gangster yeah. kind of um, uh, you know typecast. Yeah. And, uh, from what I can't think of anything before this that made um, that was more of a you know romantic role right. for him. This was kind of like his first full-blown romantic yeah. lead, and so I you mean know, there was a while where he was that that gangster. He was typecast into you know, that prototype, yeah. so this was um, this was new territory for him. So, you know, and, and Michael Curtiz was that dream factory director yeah. who wasn't going to do what let's say Wells would do. Right, you know, he put the camera where it was supposed to go. There's nothing all that experimental about the, um, the cinematography, but um, it's still beautiful. It's still beautiful, and yeah. it's not an on-location movie. This is all yeah. you, know, you can almost uh, see the uh, you know, <laughs> know the ceiling fans above. You know, It's yeah. just, um, it's, it's very much uh, on. You know, you know, it's almost as if you're in a Moroccan restaurant rather than, <laughs> than in Morocco, something like Disney no. Disney yeah. World or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly right. But you forgive it, you know. You, you do. It, it really kind of uh, it kind of works. It's you know, realism is not. It's. It's not its agenda. Right. It's. It's again. It's a heightened movie. It's. It's stylistic in that way, and um, it's. It's. It's almost like a. Um, I don't know. It's a, a parable,
2: yeah, in a sense, you know. And it's 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 almost Shakespearean. Everything hinges around those letters of transit, and yeah. you know, it's it's like Othello. Everything hinges on the on the handkerchief and the it's classic this, MacGuffin. Yeah, it's, it's it's these small sort
1: of things that you you can miss in yeah. the first, uh, you know, watching right. it for the first time. Right, which cracks me up. I mean, you don't. Know, you know, again, it's one of the things you forgive. But you know, the the classic <laughs> MacGuffin. You know, the idea that you're you know the so much hinges on this one thing that everyone's chasing. Yeah. But that one thing, you know, is kind of just an excuse to bring the plot right. forward. And uh, in this case, the letters of transit, I mean, really? I mean, yeah. they're, they're that important. I mean, it, you're talking about Nazis who are very capable of just taking someone out, like, yeah. like they do with Peter Lorre's character, yeah, and, right, not, right. and not caring. That they're really going to acknowledge these yeah. letters of transit that can't be questioned. But you don't question it. You know, right. it, it, You have... Um, Paul Heinrich's character. Um, I'm. 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 I'm, I'm um, I have it here. Laszlo. Laszlo. Yeah. <laughs> this is life, folks. Laszlo's <laughs> character. Yeah. You know, he's he's running around Casablanca yeah. like, uh, you know, you think that they could just uh, you know rest him at yeah. any moment. But once again, it's not. You know, it's it's these details aren't uh, really what the film's about. You know, yeah. it keeps us interested, keeps us captivated. But it's really about it's about these characters and their you know, they're coming together in this one hotbed yeah. of misery, really. And um, in even the romantic storyline
2: uh, is, is it, it, that's the part that pushes it for me mm-hmm. a little bit, almost to, to the point of sentimentality, yeah. that, you know, we will always have Paris and all of that. It's, <laughs> yeah. that part I can, you know, I understand the, the, the narrative reasons for why including that,
1: but yeah. um, that, that's the part I had that's, a hard time a with last night watching that. Yeah. Well, like Again, the, I can tell you what with my students, um, the the stuff that lasts. It's always interesting to see what translates to young high school age students in, yeah. in this day and age. Uh, with this film, yes, the romance of it, some of the the scenes with Bergman and uh, and Bogart, yeah. they kind of roll their eyes at that a little bit. But the stuff that translates perfectly, the stuff that really lasts for them, is the stuff with with Claude Rains. Yeah, so. so you know the you know the swelling music when they're kissing. And that's 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 the stuff that dates it a bit. That's right. Yeah. And uh, but again, it's it, I think it's probably with you know with students especially. It's kind of like a time capsule. Yeah. Uh, that's when it becomes sort of like okay, this is how this is this was a convention right of the time. You know, yep, music swelled when there was romance. That was. And we have these two big stars coming together as well.
2: So, yeah. you know, we want to see, you know, what they're going to do on screen and yeah. how that magic is going to to be there. But for me, that, that, that romance between Bergman and, and Bogart didn't it didn't resonate with me like the romance between um, Bogart and Bacall in, yeah. in, 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 you know, To Have and Have Not or something like that. That seemed yeah. to me much more authentic. Yeah. And maybe it's because they were falling in love at the yeah. time in real life. But, um, you
1: know, it, it's believable enough. To, to you know, to, to suspend disbelief yeah. for a little bit. It seems like Bogart's characters. It, it's more believable that a character that Bogart would play would fall in love with a character that Bacall would play. Yeah, you know, just right. Uh, She's you know pure sex. Yeah, you know where exactly Bergman. Uh, you know, she's you, all class. Yeah, she's all class. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. but she doesn't. You but know, the classical beauty. Uh, yeah, yeah. In, in fact, it's just if there's anything stylistic about the way this film is visually, it's when you know she's on the screen. When yeah. she When she occupies the screen, uh, you can tell a lot of work was put in until, yeah. and put into the lighting. Everything was, uh, everything was in soft focus. Very soft focus. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, yeah. And it was from a certain side, and that's just that's very typical. You know, yeah. and with the students, I do explain that. You know that realism and, and grit wasn't yeah wasn't necessarily um, what they wanted that you know in certain instances in the, in the film and you know I think she's uh what's interesting I think about her performance which I think you know she she's wonderful in the movie oh absolutely um, she, they didn't know how this movie was, was gonna end yeah you know and, and she certainly didn't know how this movie was gonna end so she does seem l- literally confused yeah. during the film and it really works you know is she really in love with Rick um you know, is she in love with her husband? Does mm-hmm. she love her husband? And I think that's one of the the powerful aspects of this performance, whereas she's in love with both. Yeah. And that is true. I mean, you can be in love, I think, with two with people. With two people, yeah. And uh, she loved them from for, for different reasons. And uh, just the scene for me, it gets me every time. And again, it's one of those... For me, you know, I, I really... Uh, it, with art, I really just... I kind of gravitate towards, you know, iconoclastic stuff. Yeah. And, and, and with this, it doesn't seem like a movie that I would... Uh, Love as much as I do, but yeah. I, I do. In one scene, I think normally, uh, you know, why 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 am I so taken with this? And there's a scene where the, you know they start singing the the French national anthem yeah. over the um you know the, the, the German German yeah. you yeah. know anthem music, and uh, it gets me every time. Yeah. I mean, I I, I I get goosebumps. And there's a shot of her uh, of Bergman just looking at her husband in, in complete admiration. Yeah. that this guy, I mean, talk about you can see why Huntsville. she's in love with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, the, I mean, this, this guy basically just told, you know, gave the finger to yeah. the to, to the Nazi, to the yeah. group of Nazis there, and uh, you know, and what does she love about Bogart? A lot of it's nostalgia, you know. Yeah. A lot of it's falling in love with something that happened prior, uh, that can't norm, that that probably can't be lived yeah. again, you know. It's a Paris before the war. Uh, yeah. Before the
2: invasion, before the before the occupation—that's the word I want—and uh, and the, the the whole idea of occupation, I think, is is one of those themes that runs throughout it. Mm-hmm. That he's occupied, uh, even when he lands in Casablanca, Rick is occupied by thoughts of her. He doesn't allow Sam to play as time goes by, and yeah. and all of these things. But yet he's always occupied, and and she is likewise occupied. With him even though she discovers that Laszlo is alive and she runs to him and and abandons Rick so this I think this theme of occupation is is one of those really resonant themes that runs oh, throughout it. Oh no doubt. Uh, right. it, and, and then the whole post-colonial aspect with French Morocco and it is right. this territory that is you know in the Sahara at the edge of the Sahara and mm-hmm. and you know its back is against the Sahara and the Alice Mountains and, and its front is towards the Atlantic Ocean so yep. oh, yeah. it doesn't it's a land that is this sort of um, Purgatorial, as they really just last night watching it, I was I was astounded by how purgatorial they went oh, to yeah. make it. Everyone's just waiting. and I never caught that
1: before until last night. Everyone's just waiting, yeah. right? They're, um, and their and their their fate is just uh, completely unknown. Yeah. it's it's amazing. I'm glad you mentioned um, Sam because uh, I find him to be a uh, you know a character who's who's not often discussed when this film comes yeah. up. Um, it, but I'll tell you what I mean. What a great nuanced performance! Oh boy, yeah. Um, by Dooley Wilson, right? Yeah, incredible. And,
2: and, and his, his, some of the facial uh, expressions that he has is absolutely heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You feel for him as as a friend, knowing that his friend Rick is suffering in, in that. When Rick is there late at night after after the bar is closed, absolutely. and said, "All right, I'm going to sit
1: with you, and you know, uh, I'm staying if you're staying." And absolutely. This is is quite a performance. When, when she walks in for the first time and he sees her it's just yeah. it's a great example of how um, a story can be told uh, through just yeah. imagery and expressions if you know if the actors get it right yeah. and you can tell there's just um, nothing good about her coming in right. to that to that place by, just by the look on his face yeah. and uh, it is one humorous moment too where uh, I think it's uh, when Rick asks him to uh, you know play it or someone you know it's, it's Probably about the third time he's he's being told to play it, I mean, yeah. and he just sort of like rolls his eyes, and it's, it's like, all right, you know, and yeah. it's, it, it, that little little moment ca- uh, cracks me up. Yeah, and he, he is extremely concerned about that yeah. uh, well being, and it's just, you know, I think friendship is a great theme in this, in yeah. this, you know, this picture, and uh, I think it goes to show you that, um, you know, the, the commentary there is that, you know, um, friendship between men can be just, you know, it could be deep, and That's lasting right. and tender. Um, and, and men are, are often afraid to go there yeah. but this film just shows that uh, and he's I think I think Rick sees him as an equal oh I do too yeah you know, I mean there is a uh subservient relationship in terms of employer employee yeah uh you know, he does bark orders uh at him you know to, to play it but yeah. I think he would have done so if, if he was a you know a white piano player yeah but they're friends. Yeah. You know, they 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 go fishing together. They get drunk yeah. together.
2: And he gives him a, a he gives him a portion ten percent of the proceeds of the house. Yeah. And yeah. then when he when he's trying to negotiate selling it with the Green Street, you know, it's he gets twenty five percent. Well, I happen to know he gets ten percent, <laughs> but you know, he, he's worth
1: it. So. And he says, you know, I, I don't, I don't sell human beings. Yeah. I don't buy or sell yeah. human beings. And he says, you know, oh, let's just, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak for him. Let's ask yeah. him. Let's ask him yeah. ourselves. And he doesn't. You know, there's the loyalty right piece of the whole film. You know, there's
2: there's no condescending attitude towards towards Sam at all. At I think. All. No, that's um, great. Yeah, he's he's one of those quietly great characters in film.
1: Yeah, he's certainly. Yeah, and least. and
2: never once I, I think in the movie do they say play it again, Sam? You know, no, that's one of those no.
1: Uh, no. like Sherlock Holmes, it's Elementary, Dear yeah. Watson. Never spoken. Never spoken. Fight. It's it's uh well that's the Woody Allen play. Yeah, right? the Woody Allen play. Uh, play it again, Sam. Yeah. Which, I don't think he's. I don't think Woody Allen was quoting the movie with that um, yeah. title. I think he was kind of like going with what his play does, which yeah. is, uh, it, you know, it, the characters talk to or a character talks to the ghost of Bogart. So it's like play it again, Sam. Like let's do this again, kind yeah, of thing. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I just. By the way, uh, not for nothing, if you were ever if, if play a drinking game with this movie, and if you were to take a drink every time someone takes a drink in this movie I mean Justin I'm always amazed like a Claude Rains like every time he he comes on he's smoking first of all you you probably get lung cancer every time you have a cigarette when he has one but every time he just says oh let's have a drink let's have a drink yeah Um, they, I'm surprised these characters aren't like under the, under the table by the end of the night, but I guess they're professionals. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> according
2: to, to what I've read, Bogart was that much of a drinker.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean,
2: uh, and of course it's the cancer that killed him, so, you know, smoking that many cigarettes. It's, I'm uh, sure they were unfiltered. So, yeah. Yeah. Camels, yeah, but these, but you know, uh, they never finish a drink. They're always drinking, but it's always sort of going on <laughs> and on, and you know, it's Absolutely. still a,
1: a hell of a lot of drinking. But they never, they never actually finish it's amazing. what yeah. they start. <laughs> but it's always a reason to get together and yeah. talk, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dooley Wilson, by the way, is Sam, a drummer, not a piano player. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Is that life. right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's not a musical, but there's a lot of music in this movie. Which yeah. Is, which again, it goes it goes into that whole, uh, you know, that that whole. What it, what audience expected during the yeah. time? Some some music always made for a good evening as well, and the idea of a good club like that—that that we don't really, you
2: know, talk about a time capsule piece. We don't really have those clubs anymore. No, no. Uh, not not like Unfortunately. that. Unfortunately, um, I know. You know, there, there isn't a big band sort of no. place that you can go to
1: anymore. If there is a band, you can't hear yourself talk. That's right. Yeah, you know.
2: and this seemed to be you know, the, which was so fundamentally part of that that culture. It was. Um, it, it's always there. And
1: music accompanied them. It seems yeah. to be more than it accompanies us. You know, it's not very cost effective if you think about it with a yeah, kind of business right. model to have a uh, twenty-piece orchestra. I, I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, that just I mean, if you think about it, what, that opening scene um, in the you know the establishing scene, if you will, it's a pretty long establishing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You are pr- probably into the movie. Maybe a half hour yeah. uh, before you're out of Sam's bar. For That's the, right for the first time. Yep, yeah. and uh, it's supposed to be a se- uh, somewhat seedy place too, which I'm yeah. surprised. It's you know obviously by our standards, it's pretty darn classy. Yeah, it is right. But you know it's a place where you can go if you want something on the black market, yeah. whether it's jewelry or letters of transit and.
2: And I think that first scene establishes that really well because it's this cameras moving from table to table. Yeah. Somebody's always dealing in something. Even yeah. the even the uh, the uh, the Asian uh, the the man and, and I think it's two men. They're they're both Asian are speaking, uh, and they're you know the, they're double dealing all over the place. Yeah, but yeah. the place does seem much more classier than even the Blue Parrot. Oh, and um, you know <laughs> that—that's the place that seems seedy to me. Right. When Bogart
1: went to get the the cartons of cigarettes or whatever it is he, he wants delivered to his club. <laughs> um, but don't no, no kidding. But uh, I'll tell you, it, it's. Um, I th- I don't want to shortchange the camera work because, um, as you do mention, the camera does is it, very yeah, know, fluid. It's just one of my favorite, I would say, entrances in, in film history is when Rick is introduced to the yeah. film. You know, the camera comes in. Um, he. Uh, one of the waiters needs a signature. Yeah. And uh, the camera pans down on him signing it. Yeah. And it pans over to him playing chess. Yeah. By himself, by the way. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, the ever loner. And then it comes up to uh, Bogart's face, who already probably was an iconic, yeah. uh, you know, someone who deserved that kind of uh, dramatic yeah. entrance, if you will. And. Um, yeah, it's it's it, That one gets me every time too. It, it's
2: it's a great it's a great scene. Yeah, uh, that, that they, they show and and you know Bogart always knew he wasn't a handsome man and he, admittedly so. But uh, there's something like so iconically cool about him. Yeah, uh, he doesn't and, need to know, be handsome. He either. doesn't need <laughs> to be. And you know, people like Camus patterned his look. Yeah. Camus patterned, um, deliberately patterned his look I after can see Bogart. the hair and yep, that, yeah. uh, all of that was
1: carefully choreographed by Camus. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. If you think about it too, um, that's Bogart after he really tried to make himself look like a. I yeah. mean He had he had hair pieces yeah. and whatnot, and he, you can tell when he talks. Part of his, uh, you know, eccentric way yeah. of delivering a line has to do do with the way he sort of hides his overbite. Yeah. You know, he's always right. Putting his um, gums over his teeth, and but hey, that's why he's so memorable. That's right, and that's. Uh, that's, that's Bogart, you know. And, you know, he's, he
2: wasn't a very tall guy, 5'8", you know, by, by leading man standards, that's yeah. not, yeah. you know, that's that's not tall at all. But right. he had this incredible, like Cagney, he had this incredible presence on
1: film. The antihero, hero right? Yeah, yeah. Which was kind of a, an inno- innovation no, at the yeah. time, you know, the cool concept of, yeah, the, the leading man does not have to be a uh, completely vir- you know, right. virtuous, um, I'm going to do the right thing. I mean, I don't, I don't see someone like Clark Gable right. taking on that role or wanting to take on that yeah. role. Um, it's, it's he. he it's kind of like the the beginning of the change, right? Yeah. He kind of paved the way for perhaps you know people like Brando later. Yeah, on. I think so Robert Mitchum for sure. Right.
2: Um, all of those actors mm-hmm. that, that came after that. it's it's typically modern this whole idea of the of the antihero. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I, Bogart I, and I don't know enough about about his acting method to say this with any kind of legitimacy, but I you know he must have
1: deliberately set out to portray a certain kind of character oh, yeah, sure. in this film. A flawed character. Yeah. Um, he wasn't, I mean, there are moments of melodrama with his delivery, but yeah. by and large, there there is some realism there, yeah. certainly going towards um, what later became, you know, and to this day is, is, what, is what's expected, you know, na- right. you know realism, naturalistic yeah. acting. But he's kind of like that, that bridge yeah. between, you know, the old melodramatic approach right. of like Gable or what have you. Yeah, uh, One thing, one... Story I've heard about Bogart and his approach to acting, uh, and I I can't tell you the movie or who the actor was, but he was giving advice to a young younger actor who had to walk into a room, and the advice to him was before you walk into the room, um, you know what were you doing before you walked into that mm-hmm. room? What you know what's your mindset? What so it's kind of like almost that that method acting yeah. approach. You know, um, try to find something within you that comes out yeah. rather than just. Acting, yeah, you know, as Olivier said, you know, later on. Um, I think we should talk about Claude Raines a little bit before oh, absolutely. We, t- we take a break. Um, I mean, uh, he makes how th- brilliant is <laughs> he? I mean, it's just, yeah, he makes the movie. I he mean, does. I mean, if it wasn't for his his ca- his character, his not just his character, but his approach. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. He, he, I know, Claude he's a likable bad guy. I mean, he's just he's so
2: good in this film. Yes. That you can't help but like him, uh, and you know he's he's as crooked as as can oh, yeah. be. He's, he's, he's he he's, accepts he's, sexual bribes. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, and you know he 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 knows that he's winning because at, at the at Rick's because Rick allows him to win. And, I know. and you know it's these all of these little open secrets that are
1: going on. Unbelievable. He he, he takes bribes sexually, monetarily. Yeah. He he seems completely indifferent towards yeah. human suffering. Um, he even admits that he's a corrupt official. Yeah. But you got to love the guy. That's right. And, I, and that's it's all about the performance. Yeah. You know because he there's just something about the way he delivers his lines and gives looks uh, to the case. It's almost like he knows something that you don't. Yeah. He yeah. He, he, he seems to know Rick more than Rick knows himself. Yeah. And there's a charm there. Uh, and I think of a villain villain as charming enough. And, yeah. I don't know if we call him a villain. He's just, um, he's not the villain of the story. No, he, he isn't. You're right. hes hes uh, He develops, you know, by the end of the story. He's, you know. He's
2: like everybody else there. He's taking advantage of, his, of this sort of lawless place that they happen to be in at the moment mm-hmm. that, you know, and he's hes he, like Rick, and I think he's a lot like Rick, he's out for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. He does a, little, a lot more blatantly than Rick does. Um, but nevertheless... He does he does he's looking out for himself until the end when we do get that bit of redemption when mm-hmm. he drops the bottle in, into the waste paper basket Pretty little, little yeah. moment there yeah and you know it's it's something as subtle as that that
1: completely changes his character and it's just a moment that the camera lingers on him a little bit yeah. as he's looking at the bottle and it's, I mean if you can if you as an actor can communicate change and self-reflection in 2 seconds yeah and you know in disgust over yeah. what you've been um, that, that's that's just amazing. Yeah,
2: and I think you're right. I think he, he's, he's disgusted with himself. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's not necessarily the Nazis, or it's the, the Nazis sort of pushed him to that realization yeah. of what he's been doing, that, okay, I'm a sleaze guy, but, you know, I, I, there comes a point where you have to stand up. Yeah. And he
1: does it finally against the Nazis in that in that last he does. Yep. scene. He does. By the way, uh, buried in New Hampshire.
2: Is that right? Buried, I didn't know buried that. Buried
1: in uh, Wolfboro, the Lakes region, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah but, friends on Facebook probably think I'm morbid, but <laughs> I have a picture of myself <laughs> next to the grave. Uh, really? He's buried in this really little, yeah, this is a New Hampshire show, um, uh, we're right now in Hooks New Hampshire, um, yeah, it's it, he's buried in, uh, I forget the name of the cemetery, but it's this little, you'd, you'd miss it, you know, there's nothing grand about it in the Lakes Region Wolf Bar, I think. Okay. And, uh, yep. Yeah, um, uh, so, now I'm going to have to make a pilgrimage. Yep. Yeah, wow. This, it's this little grave, yeah, just says. That's it. That's it. That's it. And um, this great actor who has been in... Oh, so many good films. You know, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Lawrence of Arabia, just so many wonderful, wonderful classics. Uh, Towards the end of his life said, you know what, I'm going to retire to New Hampshire. So, yeah. Wow. He he lived in a nice home in the the Lakes region, and, yeah, that's where he's buried, of all all places. (laughs) Field trip. (laughs) I I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Wow. So, uh, with that, folks, we're going to take a, uh, a short break, and we'll come back and discuss more of Casablanca.
0: Will you have your man go with Mr. Laszlo and take care of his luggage? Certainly, Rick. Anything you say. Find Mr. Laszlo's luggage and put it on the plane. Yes, sir. This way, please. If you don't mind, you fill in the names. That'll make it even more official. You think of everything, don't you? and the names are Mr. and Mrs. Victor Laszlo. But why my name, Richard? Because you're getting on that plane. But I don't understand. What about you? I'm staying here with him till the plane gets safely away. No, Richard, no. What has happened to you? Last night... Last Mr. night, we said a great many things. You said I was to do the thinking for both of us. Well, I've done a lot of it since then. It all adds up to one thing. You're getting on that plane with Victor where you belong. But, Richard, no, I, Now, I, you've got to listen to me. Do you have any idea what you'd have to look forward to if you stayed here? Nine chances out of ten, we'd both wind up at a concentration camp. Isn't that true, Louis? I'm afraid Major Strasser would insist. You're saying this only to make me go. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. But what about us? We'll always have Paris. We didn't have. we, We lost it until you came to Casablanca. You got it back last night. When I said I would never leave you. And you never will. But I've got a job to do, too. Where I'm going, you can't follow. What I've got to do, you can't be any part of. Ilza, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that. Now, now. Here's looking at you, kid.
1: All right. Well, welcome back. Um, you know, when I, when I'm finished with this film every time, you know, um, and I watch it at least a couple times a year, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's one of the, the so-called big three. My students will know this. Um, I open up the course with, uh, you know, you know, it's probably kind of corny, but the, the, the unit called the, the big three, the three films that, um, are often considered a, a central viewing when it comes to American films, uh, often topping the lists. And, uh, i you will know, be the first one to tell you that lists are kind of silly, but yeah. they're they're often uh, uh, neat dis- discussion um, occasions, right? The three, the big three: um, Citizen Kane, Godfather, and Casablanca. Yeah. So, so we often open up the the year with this, and uh, when it's all said and done, when I watch it at the end, I, I'm I'm left moved every every time. Um, and once again, uh, the. No one knew, knew how this was going to end. Yeah. You know, wh- who was she going to go with? Right. Um, I can't tell you exactly. I mean, there were alternate endings shot. I can't tell you whether or not they exist or whether they've been seen. Mm. Um, but you know, there there were some scenes where, or a scene where she stayed. Um, but I think the right decision was made. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, and you got the themes. You know, they they're not subtle themes. I mean, you don't have to necessarily dig deep to know right. what this film is, is trying to tell you, and I think one of them is you know the importance of, uh, of sacrifice, yeah. and uh, the whole idea that the problems of two people three people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world, and even though it's, a, it's on the one hand a love story when it comes down to it, in the end, um, love I guess, if, according to this film, is not as important yeah. as the greater good of
2: in this case, the world, and I wonder if the, if the producers were trying to make that statement, especially at this particular time. Uh, so it might be a propaganda film without yeah. even realizing it. Yeah, you know that sure. there, you know what's happening to to the, the to the Jews and the poles in Eastern Europe is yeah. is something that we can no longer ignore, and FDR was ignoring it. Uh, he knew what was going on, and he was willfully ignoring it. And, you know, the United States doesn't get into the war until we are bombed at right. Pearl Harbor. Uh, so this is something that I think, you know, this whole isolationist, and we see that that transfer in Rick, you know, being that sort of uh, standing for the United States, going into something where he does finally is forced into taking a side. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he does make the right decision. So, you know, he still comes out looking pretty good. Uh, and the United States comes out looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we save the world, save the universe from from <laughs> from Hitler and his henchmen. Um, and uh, you know, but but things aren't always that cut and dry. We see the complications of these of these friendships, mm-hmm. uh, especially what's alluded to at the very end. You know, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship uh, uh, between these two guys who are walking away. And you know, it's going to be something nefarious. I know. That it's not it's not going to be on the up and up. It'll be with the black market or something. <laughs> um, you know, I always wondered what happened. To these well, two did guys. you know
1: that a sequel was planned? I did not know that. No. no. Um, thank goodness it was never made. Yeah. Um, you know, part of me wants to know. You know yeah. what, what happened, what the fate of these two characters are, but uh, yeah, uh, I think wiser heads prevailed in yeah. the way it wasn't mm-hmm. made. A little mystery is okay.
2: I know they're always talking about remaking this film. This is the film that no, I
1: always no. hear about. Their Hollywood's going to remake it, and uh, was uh, it remade in the in the eighties? I thought there was a oh, made, there was a made for TV version. Of I don't it, know. I am 95% positive And um, yeah, I, I, forget. Well, I have not seen that, nor will I, but uh, <laughs> I am going to uh, look that up right now. Um, but this is one of those films you
2: can't, you know, you can't put Brad Pitt or George Clooney into the, into this particular role. It's um, no, it's, it's iconically Bogart. Um,
1: no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just it, certain films are, uh, I think, are forgivable when it comes to you remakes. Like for example, I, I was uh, I was very impressed with the, the the new newer or the new True Grit remake. Oh yeah, I was too. Yes. So I guess yeah. I guess when a film uh, ends up quickly becoming dated, yeah, perhaps like the original True Grit yeah. was. You know, um, I, I guess eventually you you, you can Let's see. Um, This, yeah. this is horrible news if it, this is true, if there was a, a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, I'm going to uh, wow. renege that. I don't know, but I, I thought I, I thought I heard that. It's not coming up in um, my Google search, but um, let's hope it's not the case.
2: And let's hope that Hollywood finally, you know, puts this to bed and doesn't make a remake <laughs> of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was, there has been, uh, you know, auteur films that have been remade, yeah. like, uh, like Psycho. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, but... Yeah, but yeah, I think this movie, uh, I think the right ending was, was selected. If, you know, and I don't think that that was the ending they had planned originally. I think
2: that they cut it off with Roundup the Usable Suspects, if I remember correctly. And then that last scene was added on yeah. Um, yeah. As not as an afterthought necessarily, but um, they had tended to to finish the film with round up the
1: usual suspects. Yeah, so. I mean that would have been a great ending. Yeah, too. absolutely. I mean, I mean the only thing that happens after that line is just the music gets uh, you know more yeah. optimistic, right, and upbeat, and they they walk down the, yeah. the tarmac. That's it, right? Yeah. And, they, and they have that little into the fog. Yeah. Right. Which is clearly dubbed in. Yeah. You know, right? That they're walking away, <laughs> and uh, there's some post production work there. Um, so yeah, I mean, sacrifice. I mean, what, I mean, what do you think? Do you think um, this message uh, of uh, you know, you, you mentioned that it was, that it can be viewed as a, a propaganda yeah. piece on one level, and I, I do agree that's that's something I do ask my students: is this propaganda? Um, do you think that this optimistic, patriotic message of sacrifice and loyalty and all that um, is it is it a timeless message, or do you think it's it's um, it's dated. Is it something that? Can That's be- a good question. I don't think it's dated.
2: I, actually, I think that I think we see it today playing out. Um, uh, you know, as complicated as, as the United States foreign policy and domestic policy is today, there is this still this sense of nationalism yeah, that is. I think that it is not left over, but has somehow evolved from from the from the from especially since World War II and, and the Cold War and coming out of that. Um, one thing that remains constant is a need for security. Yeah. And you know films gave that need for security during this particular time that mm-hmm. that Casablanca has made and it certainly gives us a sense of security when when we're in an economic depression people tend to go to the movies more mm-hmm. uh, which is ironic since we can't afford it but yet we <laughs> we sort of spend that much money um, we keep coming back to the movies for that sense of self
1: Absolutely.
2: it's that it's that artistic impulse that tells us who we who we are, who we should be, or who we shouldn't be, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. So I think Casablanca still has a lot to, to teach us. Absolutely, yeah. Even though we may have seen it a dozen times, right. um, I still get something new out of it. That's, that's for me, one of the hallmarks of a classical film, that I
1: still see and, and learn something new from it each time. Uh, you know, sometimes when, when a message or a, a notion seems out of fashion it, it, in a day and age... Like we live in a very much a day of uh, cynicism. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes a message like this is actually refreshing yeah. and, and seems even more relevant than ever even though it I would might, agree. even though it might um, you yeah. know again seem hokey or or, yeah. or, or dated uh, you know I think a lot of filmgoers now uh, seem to um, expect again a, a bit more uh, cynicism yeah. when they when they see a film um, but um, that's certainly not the agenda of this movie no. this was and, a statement.
2: right. And, and I think Rick's views on politics, especially in the beginning of the movie are, are from what we're seeing playing out in politics today, is, is right in line. You know, the, you know, the, there's that fight that breaks out in his bar and, and he comes up and he goes, "I don't want any talk of politics." You know, I want, you know, that that's not allowed. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we've sort of grown weary of politics, I think, at this particular yeah, oh, yeah. point, uh, <laughs> with the Trumps and and, and and the Clintons for that matter, and and all of that sort of. Yeah. Uh, I think America is sick of the establishment. Yeah. And
1: th- there's something very Rick about that. I yeah. think. It seems like. Um, Question is becoming, you know, in an election, not you know how many people are going to come out to vote, but uh, right. how many people are going to stay home. Yeah, and that's almost a determining factor. Right. Know? Well, well, both President Bushes have said they are not going to to vote in this
2: particular election. That's so, that's um, you, you know, they're, that they're yeah, right. So, and we don't know if they will or not, but mm. there is this sense of of. A renewed isolationism, a renewed call for that. Yeah, I think sure. that we should take care of our own uh, and then worry about the rest of the world. And you know, this this coincides perfectly with Trump's desire to build a wall, uh, to put this physical apparatus between us and and that other, that enigmatic other that that the Mexicans happen to be, um, you know,
1: assigned to by 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 some of these um, so called politicians, I yeah. suppose. Oh, and clearly, this movie is saying that an isolationist policy is uh, is, is usually problematic and, right. and um, fatal for right. a lot of people. You know, and uh, you know, I, I always wonder, you know, in the minds of the viewers back in the day, sitting in the in, in their local movie theaters as they were watching this. And again, we have to remember that this is a um, this was made, even though it seems prophetic, uh, made before even Pearl Harbor. Right. Right. What was you know what was going through their heads? Was there any did this actually sway people? Did this yeah. actually change hearts? Uh, because I mean, this when you watch this movie, I mean, you almost see yourself. This this can't be. This couldn't have been made beforehand. It's this, yeah. this just too prophetic. Yeah. Um. And, but again, it's just part of the the, the timeless message. It and, is. And one thing that struck me watching it again
2: last night was this whole idea of. Of, of movement, of letters of transit, and all of these people who are in Casablanca waiting to get out, and what's happening with the migrant crisis in Europe now, uh, you know, the migrants coming out of Syria and, and, and places like that, and, and, and really just a deluge of them, most of whom are children, uh, at least half of them are children, uh, that, are, that are flooding the, the lands of, of various European countries and, and people desperately on the move. Yeah, um, for whatever
1: reason. Oh yeah, um, willing like, to we'll do anything. Th- yeah, like yeah. that one young young woman. know, uh, it's a very moving scene where she goes to Rick, uh, and she's ready to go to that's Rick, right Captain Renault's office. Yeah, and sleep with him. Yeah, sleep with him. And uh, you know the the question is, and this is something that you know a lot of the students don't really get on first viewing. Um, you know, she's asking him basically, would you, would you still love your husband? Yeah, if. Oh your, your you know your your wife, yeah, if she had to do something that was um, so terrible, so I think terrible. she says, yeah, yeah, but it was for uh, something so greater and yeah. necessary. You know his great reply was, no one no one's ever loved me. that yeah, much. Know, right. I mean, and the look
2: on his face at that particular moment., I know, yeah. but that that fits in perfectly with with what you said earlier about the theme of sacrifice, that she is willing to sacrifice her sense of worth uh, as a woman uh, and as a wife. Mm-hmm. Um, for for their ability to escape. And, and this sense of sacrifice is, is seen also in, in Elsa. Uh, and yeah. you know, the, the and, and her husband. The fact that they would give each other, you know, you go, I'll stay and you know,
1: I'll yes. sacrifice it's very Myself. true. Myself. It's very um, true. And the whole fact that he uh that Rick after that scene is willing to um you know basically rig the, yeah. the roulette wheel yeah. uh for this. I mean that's a very very touching movement yeah. moment. And just yeah, and again, it's it's never it's never too far off where something heavy like that happens, and there's just a, a little comedic um, twist at the end where you know Rick goes into the next room and the uh, the the Russian bartender Sasha, yeah, Sasha <laughs> kisses him. Yeah, and it's just you've a, done a wonderful thing, boss. Yeah, yeah. and he slaps uh, him. Yeah, crazy Russian. Yeah, it's a it's a great scene. Yeah, <laughs> I just with the same character though, I love uh, towards the beginning of the movie. You know, uh, Rick tells um, tells Sasha to take this uh, woman home. Yeah, uh, the French lady. <laughs> You know, and uh, she's all, she's obviously completely hammered. And, you know, Rick says, specifies, come right home. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. There's all these little... And, and prior to that, she's
2: pleading with him, right? Sasha, no. And he goes, I love you, but I, he pays me.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't there, isn't there yeah. a, 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 a line, and I'm I'm, paraphrasing, I'm recollecting here probably incorrectly, but, uh, you know, she comes in at the, the scene where the young girl comes in who wants to let us a transit... You know, asking Rick about you know what do you do if um, you know, and, and, and you know she he says to her, what is it? How'd you get in here? Yeah. Uh, and, he, and she goes, um, she goes with Captain Renault and my yeah. husband, and something like you know, and he goes, oh, oh, Captain Renault's getting broad-minded, yeah, kind of thing, you know. I mean, it's just <laughs> you you wonder how a lot of these things pass the. Uh, Especially that because it's it's quite it's quite clear what, what he means <laughs> by that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's um. Again, the dialogue is just so well crafted, yeah. well thought out, written by the Epstein brothers. Yeah, just the, the, the screenplay. It, it was a team of writers, but I think the um, it was a, stemmed off a play called yeah. "Everybody Comes to Rick's," uh, an unproduced play, I yeah. believe, and then the, obviously it was greatly adapted. And the Epstein brothers were, you know, the Hollywood screenwriters yep. that gave it the Hollywood treatment. Um, grand-uncles of Theo Epstein, the Red Sox. Is that right? I didn't former, know that. Wow. Uh, now Chicago the Cubs. Chicago Cubs, uh, yeah. General manager, so. It's interesting. Yeah, something, wow. Something runs in that family. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, well, I think I think we said absolutely everything has to be said about Casablanca. Uh, for just the moment, <laughs> I think we have, yes. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So, folks, if there's anything that you want to chime in about uh, regarding this film, mm-hmm. um, please um, go on to our Facebook page or comment on uh, iTunes. We'd love to hear the feedback and we'd love to generate uh, any discussion about great films that we can. Um, And uh, we'd love to hear from you, comment about the podcast itself. And um, I'd like to thank Andrew Martino for joining me today. Pleasure, thank you. Thanks a lot. And uh, again, I'm Bill Ivers and uh, this has been the Classroom Critics Podcast and we will see you next time. Thank you.
0: It had to be you, it had to be you, I've wandered around and finally found somebody who could make me be true, could make me be true. and even be glad just to be sad, thinking of some others I've seen, might never be new. I'd never be cross, I'd try to be boss, but they wouldn't do. Oh, nobody else gave me a thrill, honey, with all your faults, I love you still have to be you, wonderful you had to be.